All right, we got part two of the Ratchet and Clank Remember Spective. Um, it's been a long time since I've recorded, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, we're going to start on Sargasso. I hate Sargasso. Like, I really hate Sargasso. Visually, stunning. Gorgeous. But from a gameplay perspective, I hated it. I'll rip a paragraph from the Ratchet and Clank wiki real quick. Sargasso is a planet featured in Tools of Destruction, the Ratchet and Clank comic series, and Rift Apart, with mentions in A Crack in Time. It is a primordial swampland located in the Vertigris sector of the Polaris galaxy, infested with large, deadly creatures such as the Grunthors. The planet is also a rich source of gelatonium, with the territorial Kerchu operating a gelatonium refinery near its outpost, L51. Prior to the Kerchu's arrival, the Lombax has also had a testing facility on the planet. Now, you want to keep in mind that that was the Sargasso from Ratchet and Clank's dimension. We're playing nearly this entire game in rivets, so this Sargasso is rivets. There are some differences in how the history of the world has unfolded. Keep in mind what we spoke about in part one. We're calling Ratchet's dimension prime, so... By extension, anything that has a direct analog to Ratchet's dimension will be the name of the thing and then the word Prime. Unless, of course, there's a fucking place called Blizzar Prime, then we call that Blizzar Prime Alpha. Or we don't reference the Prime of Blizzar because I don't think it matters. I think I'm going to trust all of you to understand that there would be a difference, so I'll just leave it unless I think of a more elegant solution. I won't. In uh, Sargasso's Prime, the planet's ancient history was rife with long backs. The creatures had a research facility where they tested weapons, armor, etc. One of those weapons was, you get five seconds to answer this one. Uh, two, three, four, the Dimensionator. You got it. Oh, you didn't? How could you have known that, given you haven't played these fucking games and have a great memory of them? Not my fault. They built and tested the Dimensionator there, and that is cool, because what weapon are we in this fucking cesspool for? Anyways. The Lombax has vanished from the planet after something innocuous called, oh, I don't know, the Great War. Whatever. That could have been anything. Some undetermined time after they vanished, the Lombaxes. A species called the Kerchu moved in, and they made a big fuck-off gelatonium outpost, and then more and more and more. The Kerchu were wicked smart, and all that they were were dickheads. They are hostile like anything other than some guy named the Smuggler, who doesn't matter for the purpose of this. In one of my favorite Ratchet games, Tools of Destruction, we find our way to Sargasso by way of locating coordinates from a planet called Rykan 5 for the advanced Lombax Research Facility, which had long since been abandoned by the Lombaxes at this point. The planet switches hands a few more times, but be it through some time anomaly or Dr. Nefarious hijinks, you know, I say all that, aside from increasing word count to make my stupid brain feel like it's actually giving content to make sure that you know that the planet has a lot of history in and of itself, but also in the overarching story of the series. It's an important planet, and I fucking hated it. You get to play on this planet as Rivet. 
since you just played a ratchet, a common theme, you know, jumping back and forth between the two characters, Rivet's home base is here. And instead of the shitty little Kirchu being here, like they may or may not have been in Sargasso Prime, whatever, time slugs, possibly getting rid of them aside, there are little guys called the Morts. Did I not mention time slugs, killed the Kirchu, whatever. Um, they're either like North Dakotian or they're Canadian, uh, the Morts. I'm more familiar with the Dakotian people, considering May's entire family on her mom's side or you know, from there. They got the accent. Uh, for Caden, they kind of sound like the stereotypical denim-wearing, syrup-slurping, mullet-rocking red leaves that get made fun of to no end. Rightfully so, but they get made fun of. Uh, you, basically. The little morts all go by mort. They don't have their own name, uh, but they can all communicate with each other, which is interesting. Um, I kind of like how it's hand-waved. I think that's really fun. Very sci-fi, very fantasy. Um, we don't need to know. It doesn't matter. All we know is that that's what happens. And they make it really clear in the in the game. I was wondering, though, how they did differentiate a mort from mort. And I assume it's like the cat stuff, you know, where they twitch their nose or ears or, you know, whatever, subtly. And that's how they tell which mort you're trying to get a hold of. Or it's a video game and none of that matters because why should it? Why would it? The Morts are the analog to the Kirchu, um, except for the Kirchu are shitty. The Morts are really sweet and nice. And, you know, frankly, that's the only uh, difference is their demeanor. Um, I've strayed into the near future with that divergence, so I'll get back to landing on the planet. Unfortunately, another little game is on Sargasso. This is the classic clank aside. I don't have a huge problem with the early couple of these, but they do eventually get pretty tedious and overstay their welcome. Like all other clank only parts in the whole series or Daxter of Jack and Daxter, there's just very few reasons and instances um, where you would want to play as the partner with less powers and less freedom. Luckily, they know that. Um, you can skip all of these if you'd like. There's a fun character in them. He's a monk. We can get to that later. Once you land, you're surrounded by verdant flora and asshole fauna, aside from a little snail, you know, coming up. But when I think of really pretty nature scenes in video games and media in general, personally, I think of games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Witcher 3, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, even today, going into the forest of that game, in addition to the score, of course, transport you mentally to a lush greenscape of the quintessential forest in a fantasy setting. I don't care. It's the best one. I want to do one of these on Oblivion so bad, by the way, these remember perspectives. Um, it'd be pretty good because I know that game like the back of my fucking hand. Um, it's probably tied for my favorite game right outside of The Witcher 3. This game was that close to being able to put it on that list. It's beautiful, just like the rest of the game and really the planet. Um, but it, it it gets really shitty. It doesn't get shitty until you have to start flying around, really, around this big fucking bird or dinosaur, whatever. It's, it's called Trudy. We'll get to that later, though. Uh, you land. It's pretty... It's a little swampy and little fuckers come up to you and try and kill you. 
That's exactly what you would expect out of this game thus far. After killing some of the fuckers and smashing their plants for bolts, that's a funny string of words out of context, isn't it? You find yourself near a swampy area that's been rendered impassable. Unless you're riding a fucking snail. Okay. The speedles are the snails of this particular world. And they're like, if you say ratchet is average human male size, same thing with rivet, they're the same because they're both lombaxes. They're like the size of a large lab, Labrador. These things are fast as fuck, boy. And they're able to slide uh, with slime and traverse this nasty instacill liquid at crazy speeds. You also get to run them up on ramps and clear gaps that Matt Hoffman would piss himself looking at. Can we please, by the way, have another Matt Hoffman BMX game, by the way? Those were so fucking fun. And I remember seeing the box at Blockbuster, and on the back, they showed a lady with a black censorship bar on her upper and her downer. And I didn't show my mom the back of the game, so she'd let me get it. It worked. I uh, didn't ever unlock that character, I don't think, because it was hard to do it. I think you had to beat the game and get all kinds of shit. It's a whole thing. Whatever. Once you hop on, you make your way to a clearing that has a big dinosaur called a troglosaur, a mix of a turtle and a you know brachiosaurus. They're docile, and in the game, they're more like um, structures than living beings. A bunch of the... But, you know, going back to the Troglosaur, it's, if you've played the most recent Star Wars Jedi Survivor game, there's a, I don't know what that, I do not know what that thing is called, Um, but there's a big dinosaur that is on the main planet uh, that you use as a landmark. You eventually use it to get somewhere else that lifts you up, but 99% of the time it's just there. That's kind of how this Troglosaur is whatever um you see that guy and then you see a bunch of downtrodden bits of architecture nasty little robots of dr nefarious you know has under his thumb the uh goons for hire once you kill all the baddies you make your way to another clearing by way of speedle again this whole planet is traversed basically via speedle it's really annoying fun fact sargasso is not original to the ratchet and clank world the name it originated in the real world as the name of a sea in the atlantic ocean called the sargasso the sea's pretty wild honestly i'll pull from wikipedia for this one a few of it the sargasso sea is a region of the atlantic ocean bounded by four currents forming an ocean gyre unlike all other regions called seas it has no land boundaries it's distinguished from other parts of the Atlantic Ocean by its characteristic brown sargassum seaweed and often calm blue water. Pretty fucking sick, right? The more you know. I want to talk about that more because I fell down a fucking rabbit hole like you do whenever you open anything literally on Wikipedia for a few minutes. So bear bear with me. The first written account of the sea was by that shitbag Columbus in like 1490. Two, ocean blue, etc. May he rot in the belly of some fucking beast in the depths of hell, hell with one L, and Naraka. May Yama have no mercy on his soul. Okay. And he said that they said that he bitched about the seaweed, saying, 
he who feared it uh, would run them aground. And you said the wind or lack thereof would trap his ship, which is an insane thought, right? And so fair, by the way, with how this weird bit of ocean operates. I'm going to get into it. There were some poems written about the Sargasso from so far back. It's insane, like 14th century. But at the end of the day, it's not confirmed because they didn't call it what we call it, blah, blah, blah. The Sargasso is also the breeding site for the European eel back in like, you know, 1920. Also, did you know that up until fairly recently, we didn't know, we just didn't know how eels existed, how they were born? Like, we still don't really know how they mate, what the father-mother situation is, nothing. I say we still don't know. We just recently learned that they are the sneaky version of a salmon, if you get what I mean. They go on just insane fuck-off migrations from, like, four known seas across the world and then decide after scanning a bit of the room, you know, if they need to become a male or female. What? It's insane, but as cool as it is, there's more cool stuff about the Sargasso. Inside the Sargasso, there's a kind of seaweed, the Sargasso, that floats on top. And with this Sargasso, the mighty Sargasso has something it created called the Great Atlantic Sargasso Belt. Uh, hello. It's also the largest landmass of its kind, duh, in the entire world. Unfortunately, since the sea is such a weird, no wind, thick, seaweed accumulator of currents surrounding it head ass it also manages to house the north atlantic garbage patch any who's in after you get across the way under the big dinosaur you know you'll end up in a little battle arena you need to complete that's a mainstay in these games i think they started doing that in like the second game they started having huge places where you can kill things right but you get into this battle arena and you kill the baddies you get a cutscene that takes you straight to an anomaly and inside the anomaly are the clank puzzles it's not a walkthrough so i won't get into it too much but you know me i'm gonna get into it a little these clank puzzles are better than other clank puzzles in the myriad of other games in this series, but they're still pretty shitty as far as the rest of the game goes. Um, you know, you meet this hippie character that I just kind of spoke about a little earlier that gets a little more fleshed out further into the game. He's cool, classic hippie character in tune with the universe or whatever. Uh, similar to the glitch stuff, Clank's mini games are all just a lane to allow us to see him get some character development. He goes from over analyzing things and not being able to be assertive and cocksure to more loosey goosey. It's uh, nice, but I feel like they could just give us cutscenes or just make the fucking game longer and actually have Ratchet and Clank be together and have Clank make some decisions, but whatever. I'm telling you, as much as I love this game, my biggest gripe is how little of it there fucking is. And generally, I feel like that's not viewed as a huge negative, but when there's been the time between games that there has been and how much people love these characters and, you know, your studio, the size that they are, you have basically unlimited money from Sony, then I want more game. You know, I don't claim and I never will claim 
to know how game dev works because I am sure there are roughly about 1 billion steps and there's so many that I couldn't even think of with how little I know about the process, but it'd just be nice if there was more, you know, uh, whatever. Clank grows as a person and we all love it because who doesn't love Clank? The games are all about Clank, like aligning dimensions or a timeline or something like that. There's a stream of Clanks flowing from one portal at the very beginning, trying to get to the end portal at the opposite end of the anomaly, the level, you know. You have to throw the clanks over and over. It's a stream of them, you know, uh, one clank after another, after another, after another. It's just a time loop. And you are stopping them from killing themselves, basically, (laughs) Um, there's a number of things that are trying to do it. You know, there's hammers, uh, most are fans pushing up and throwing the clanks off of the edge. Some of those hammers smashing the clanks like I was talking about and killing them, but you need to grab orbs of varying colors that do specific things like slow down time, increase gravity, decrease gravity, speed up time. And before you ask, yes, you can skip it all. And I recommend it after the first few of them, to be honest. You get the cutscenes regardless. While we're talking about silly little things you have to do in the game, I kind of want to talk about things you don't have to do, but should, because they give you cool collectibles and because they're genuinely so cool to do every time. If you've ever played any of these games, then you know there's a shit ton of collectibles and lots of mini-games in this motherfucker. I'll list them out of the way really quickly so we know where we can start. 1. Golden Bolts 2. Spy Bots 3. Armor Sets 4. Lorbs 5. Krager Bears For the collectibles and for the mini-games, we've got 1. Glitch love. Two, pocket dimensions, triple love. Three, clank anomalies, loathe entirely. Golden bolts are a mainstay in the series. You collect regular bolts as currency and golden bolts are spread throughout each world and level to varying degrees and you collect them through either exploration or by challenges. Collecting the golden bolts lets you unlock different cosmetics mostly. Big ones that have been around for a long time with the series are filters that change the way the entire game looks, but in this game they let you change the wrench or hammer that Ratchet and Rivet use. Spy bots are little bots that have info on them from fucking spying, duh, on wherever they were posted. If you collect them all, then you get a Rhino 8. Rhino stands for rip you a new one. 
which is a powerful weapon that, in this game's case, shoots portals to different worlds and drops huge projectiles from those worlds onto the enemy you shoot them at. There are all kinds of fun easter eggs with this weapon, considering that they pull from all the other games they've made and other PlayStation mainstays. Armor sets are pretty self-explanatory. You can customize what our intrepid heroes wear and change the color that the armor is. It's a fucking blast because obviously it is. <laughs> You're making me Collecting the armor, while mostly cosmetic, allows you to gain semi-powerful buffs that help you do more damage to the small amount of enemies in the game, collect more bolts, but destroying things, etc. Lorbs are one of my favorites in this game, and I really go into them in a section on Savali, so I won't type a thousand words on them. They are on one planet, and they tell a story about Lombax. Boom. Krager Bears are an adorable addition to the game that add nothing to it, except for a trophy, and that's okay. They're an homage to the late Craig Goodman, who passed in 2019 and was an artist who worked on Ratchet, Spider-Man, and Sunset Overdrive. They're all on the main path save for one. Oh. <laughs> They're all on the main path save for one. I didn't collect them because I didn't feel it was necessary, but I love that they are in the game. For the minigames, I spoke about Glitch a lot and won't speak further on her and her levels. Pocket Dimensions are the shit, and arguably the best part of this game purely based on how smooth the animation is getting in and out of them. They exist within the world, and you can see inside of them. They generally have some kind of challenge to complete to obtain some collectible at the end. What I mean when I say you can see inside of them is that you can see in the distance a blue hole in the world, similar to the rifts that you can grapple to. And when you get close to them, you can see the world within them, what you can do, and when you want to go inside of them, you don't have a prompt or loading screen or anything. You just walk through them seamlessly. It's really incredible and I love them so much. Clank anomalies are lame after the first few but that's to be expected with Ratchet and Clank games. That's just how it goes. They have to give Clank a thing to do, and they are always lame and suck the fun out of the game. I hate a mechanic to slow you down for no reason. If you want us to slow down because the game is too short, then don't waste resources on a shitty minigame. Instead, you should add to the already great base you've created over the last decade plus. Now we'll go back. I want to get into Sargasso's mission and get off this fucking planet because, like I said, I I hate it. You're going to try and find some more Speedles. And as you walk up to a Speedle nest, you're going to see a helper bot that Rivet recognizes. She's going to say, we need to follow it back to the Morts because she just knows the bot will take us to them. Um, I guess the helper bot was the Morts. And it's lost. Follow, follow, follow. Find the morts at the gelatonium factory. What do you know? They've been invaded by goons for less. You got to kill them all. After you kill them, you'll be prompted to go to the morts near the big ass door that's open now, and you get to watch another cutscene. 
I really love the Morts. I really love them. They're really funny. They're really sweet. And they remind me of May's grandma on her mom's side. She's a Dakotian, like I was saying earlier, and it sounds like her bar for bar. The next step is to go to Rivet's Hideout. And to do that, we have to go further into the wilds of Sargasso, which is covered in old, more downtrodden machines and ships and Grunthors. We have to do a boss fight against one even. Sounds an awful lot like something from or an amalgamation of things from a certain set of films based on a galaxy far, far away. Grunthor. Grunthors are like a T-Rex, but I assume even bigger than what a T-Rex was, which is fucking scary either way, because, like, is a T-Rex as big as a Grunthor? Fuck me no Taito, right? Once you beat down the Grunthor, though, you start making your way to her hideout. It's um inside one of those big machines I mentioned, and it was biggie. There's some cool little Easter eggs around the hideout, but nothing really worth calling out specifically. You know, um, play the game. You'll find that stuff, and it'll be really fun. When you get to the hideout, you have a cutscene startup, right? And Rivet finds out that Clank is being honest about everything from the other Lombacks to the other dimensions. It's a really long cutscene. They're all worth watching the first time around, honestly. The game is basically a Pixar movie with gameplay in between. It's so badass. Long story short, Clank gets abducted by a piloted machine called a Seekerpede. It's a major boss fight you know, boss health bar and everything. And there are parts that are frustrating, but in the day it's a game made for kids. So it's not that hard. None of the game is really hard unless you really suck up puzzles or are fed up with them. I happen to not be very bad at puzzles, but I do get frustrated at them, even if I'm solving them, which is why I got to the point where I skipped all the clank uh, mini games. But what you have to do to kill the Seekerpede is grab a speedle, ramp it up on the Seekerpede, Yada, yada, yada. You know, the fights go if you're listening to this manifesto of ramblings about a fucking child's game, as May likes to call it. Once you kill the thing, a portal opens and you have to solve it with Clank. It's, you know, another one of those anomalies. After all, that's done. You get to talk to the Mords for a bit. And you have to go back to the shop and you get to go to the next planet. Thanks. Next, we have the Scarstu Debris the Field. Scarstu really Debris Field is what we are on. It. And now, it was I'm going to talk simple, about it. It was super pretty small, but packed a bunch and of fun shit. You heard it from twice. This came out to like, this is another rivet and Clank level. I really don't mind Let's these start talking about a more much fun, as I want quote, more quote, ratchet from a game called Thank Ratchet you. and Clank. Rivet is a great character and bounces off Clank pretty well. The Debris Field houses a gastropub, which is hilarious. It feels as much like the hangout behind a big wall that the kids go to that's just around the corner from like an ice cream shop in the movies, you know, from the neon lights blinking slowly against the belt of the asteroid. These guys really have mastered neon lights, by the way. I've talked about it earlier in the various city, but they're on their shit to the collection of varied ships parked all around the gastropub. You're transported here immediately. You'll saunter up towards the pub and just before the entrance, you'll get to buy some new guns and make some upgrades with Mizurkon. I think this one is the lightning rod, and it for sure got the most run out of all the guns for me in this game. It was uh, it was the first one I maxed out, I'm pretty sure. I mean, who doesn't like chain lightning? You know what I mean? By the way, I will be doing a chain lightning build with the druid and the wizard in the new Diablo 4 whenever that comes out. Um, I think this week. This is the week of the 29th of May. 
by the way, if you're wondering how spaced out these fucking episodes are because I'm a procrastinator. Once you finish up with Miss Z, you'll enter the building and some funny dialogue is said about giving your guns up before entering on account of this just literally being the Continental from John Wick of this world, which that's so fun. I love that, those movies. You end up giving your guns up to get inside the doy. And once you enter the pub, you meet a host of new characters. Who doesn't love a hub world? For people that are listening this long into this thing and still don't know what a hub world is, I love you. And I don't understand you. I assume there may be one or two of you. So I'll explain what a hub world is and give you some examples of the best um, hub worlds that have existed in my opinion. So a hub world is a central area in a video game that connects to other levels or areas. It often serves as a place for the player to rest, save progress, and access different parts of the game. The best hub worlds allow for you to see different NPCs you've spoken to and recruited to your team or side, or whatever. A great recent one, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Great game, can't recommend it enough. Loved it. First one, I wasn't so hot on, I think. Um, oh, as a gamer, you know, you kind of, you kind of go quickly between uh, liking different genres, and uh, you evolve quickly as a gamer. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, and I've never really stopped to think about it. Uh, this is completely off the cuff. So I'll have to think on that some more and maybe I'll revisit that in a actual episode of the podcast because that's a really fun um, thought. In Jedi Survivor, you play as a character named Cal who is one of the, if not the only, surviving youngling from Order 66. If you want me to get in Order 66, then let me know because I will not be doing it in an episode about Ratchet and fucking Clank. But I would love to talk about Star Wars and some of the deeper bits of lore therein. As a cow, you go around and make friends with people that have certain skills or just helpless and in need of a place to be safe. Those people come to this saloon on some backwater planet that no one generally comes to. I'm being intentionally vague here, by the by. I think people should play this game and play it blind like I did because it was an easy, like, eight and a half out of ten. Nine out of ten, maybe. It was a really, really fucking good game. And after you tell them to go to that saloon, the next time you go back to it, they'll be there and have some cool dialogue. And each time you go back, there'll be even more new dialogue from them. It's such an easy way to build out whatever world you're in and, you know, make you care about it since it's not some info dumb that you have to read. It's it's something that they're telling you about. It's someone talking. And that's nice because the voice acting is fucking good. I mean, it's Star Wars. There are a number of great hub worlds that have been introduced as of late, though. I don't think that this is a one-off situation. As frustrating as the performance in it is, um, the tower in Destiny 1 and 2 had a great upworld. Destiny 1's tower was much better. I think, you know, there was just more personality. If you sat around in the tower, which was super common back then in Destiny 1, you'd hear some fun little announcements on the intercom. You'd hear unnamed NPCs popping shit you know, about different members of the Vanguard. I would love, by the way, to write about Destiny. I love that game so fucking much. Also, hate it with all my guts. Whatever. You understand Hub World. Uh, you know, the Via Auditore in Assassin's Creed 2, one of my faves. League of the Nine from God of War. The Normandy from Mass Effect. You fucking get it, right? Where were we? Um, so we walk into the pub and you've got a chance to walk around and survey the area a bit before you go up to the bar and activate the cutscene. Walking into the pub is a treat. Okay. Once you cross the threshold on your right, you see a blue alien kind of leaning away on a, on an arcade machine. What fucks me up about everything in this game is how well lit 
it all is though to be honest the arcade screen is lighting up this little blue skinny alien's face and animating just like yours is probably doom scrolling overwatch reddit hoping they're gonna say psych we aren't scrapping one of the most anticipated parts of the game that they created a whole new version of this ex- with the express intent to introduce a pve focused version of one of the tightest team shooters ever made <laughs> right whatever this little blue fuck's face is locked into this arcade and it's gorgeous in front of you there's some familiar looking aliens that resemble a bunch of you know bones posturing against a railing looking over the railing there's a mechanical bull my first thought was, oh, fuck, yeah, let's do a fun mini game. You don't get to do a, a fun mini game. There's no prompt or anything. I was pretty disappointed. Luckily, it faded pretty quick when I turned around and saw a big stretch of glass, a massive window, a few handful of steps away, right? Just before you get to the glass, there's this computer you can use. Pass the computer through the window. There's a two-word thing that every enjoyer of a little bedassery is happy to see in here battle arena it's music to my ears frankly nothing's doable yet but i know these devs well and i know a good game when i seize it too this is a good game made by these devs this battle arena will be used bitches once you walk up to the bar you get sucked into a cutscene with the person you needed to find named zerky the owner of the bar You sidle up to the barkeep while he's off making some drinks. For a patron to the left of Rivet is a sheep, shouldered over the bar, like he's coming down off a bender, you know, he's ready to start another. They give this little sheep some gray beard around its mouth. It's, It's hilarious. Sheep have a really fun spot in this universe, by the way. There's a whole weapon that turns bad guys into sheep, and when you upgrade it, you turn them into rams, right, that kill other enemies, and then they die after they've expired from the effect. It's silly, it's fun, I love it, it's so ratchet and clank. Zergy floats over to us. He's a robot, did I mention that? And really quickly, fuck, this game looks so so good. Please look up some cutscenes from inside Zergy's, and if you're able to put them on a monitor or TV capable of 4K, do it, because holy shit, it's crisp. There's such an amazing depth of detail to every single animated scene. Like, for instance... In this, I don't know, minute 30 clip, as the cutscene starts, it's really tight on Rivet. And in the background, like just out of focus, are robots of varying sizes having muffled conversations, right? Some of them are raggedy and some are pristine. There's decoration on the wall. Ropes of lights hanging about the ceiling draped over a rafter here and a rafter there against Clank as he's pulled out of nowhere. That's not a dig, by the way. I think it's charming how clank and weapons and all those kinds of things just expand in size as if they're pulled out. I'm not against, and I actively support a good hand-waving, by the way. That's a perfect example of it. You can see individual lights, right? Different colors, most of them shining off his shiny metal head. Ass. And the cutscene leading up to coming to the scar stew debris field, clank talks about how he feels that, you know, this is partially all my fault. Like, duh, Clank, you fucking dumb bitch. Of course it's your fault. You made the Dimensionator, dumbass. But he's feeling really shitty and way bummed out about the whole, oh, you know, tearing asunder of time and space to create 
openings to alternate dimensions, potentially bringing about the end of not only their world, but each and every one of Emperor Nefarious becomes the world leader he clearly desires to become, all because Clank wanted to create a weapon that separated and or eliminated a race more advanced than any race since and before their time for his buddy to try and find those Lombaxes that could very well have either died off after generations of being separated into different realities themselves or become overcome with rage and grief and turned other nefarious deeds to reconvene with their lost brothers and sisters huh now that i'm saying it out loud it really feels like it's all his fault and whatever he did was really bad huh what was i saying oh yeah in the cutscene we're talking about clank looks really dejected and like you can feel it emanating off of this little robot you know i mean that's that's incredible Anyways, the game's beautiful. Please look up some clips. All right. So, Zerky, the owner of the bar, floats over, sorry, Astro Pub, floats over to ask what Rivet would like, and Rivet asks if Zerky has a signal booster so they can get a hold of Ratchet using Clink's communicator. Rivet asks Zerky if they'd seen an old first mate because they would have this bit of tech. Lo and behold, who waltzes up but the first mate, assumedly, right? That's how these games go. And wouldn't you know it, we meet another analog. Pierre Lafayette, pirate extraordinaire. We know this bucket of bolts as Rusty Pete, and Clank says as much. He kind of says, Rusty Pete? Under his breath, and our not-so-rusty new friend says in a very put-on Parisian accent, Rusty, mon frère, your friend has a societon. And then he tries to go on a monologue, and Rivet just kind of blurts out that she'll fight him for it before he actually gets to get into it. It's really fun. Pierre's obviously in interested in that, and now we get to take advantage of that fun-looking arena down there, too. You're still in the same cutscene, but it's a different scene. Sevy. Rivet struts her lombass down to the arena, and Pierre has, like, I don't know, hoverboard or something, whatever. It does, it does not matter. I can't really remember, but he doesn't actually fight us. He has a goon do it, win the battle, yada, yada. Now we have a signal booster, fair and square. Cutscene again, right? You put a thing into Clank and he giggles and Rivet looks at him funny and then gets back to work in his guts. <laughs> Once she gets it just right, Clank calls up our buddy Ratchet, but not before this fucking Rivet nerd says, Eureka, she's done it. And then makes the fucking funniest face I've seen. It's so stupid. Clank calls Richito and he picks up, thank the almighty God, in fucking Lombax Heaven he picks up. There's another cutscene. It's about two minutes long and mostly just them saying hi, love you. And then ending with Clank saying we need to go to Blizzard Prime. Blizzard Prime. Whatever. Arch nemesis for fucking names. And then Ratchet and Rivet both say be safe out there, you know, in unison, and Ratchet gets a big old lomb boner, and we're off to Blizzard Prime. Psych, bitch. Actually, we have to go to Savali, because we have to rotate characters. In Savali, we're going to play as Rachito and find the blueprints for the Dimensionator. Savali, wee! Savali is a awesome planet. An awesome planet. It's really cool visually, and has a really fun story to move through once you land you're smacked with a very tatooine-esque scape of sand sand 
sand and old buildings, huts, red ferns, and then some more sand. As we make our way toward the waypoint, we hear some fighting in the distance and a new objective pings. Save Monktown. What do you know? Nefarious's forces are here as well. In addition to these things called sand sharks, they just look like land sharks. Hilarious. Once you've dispatched the nefarious forces employed by the nefariouses, who have been up to nothing but nefariousness, you make your way to a bridge marked for you. Sidling up to the bridge, though, a cutscene starts, and you get to meet um, the apprentice to Gary, the hippie from before, and the anomaly for Clank that Clank spoke with. We also find that he's not just Gary, but Prophet Gary. So cool, Gare Bear. Brag some more. Also, the apprentice is a little robot that looks awfully similar to Senior Clank. Another analog, maybe? Duh. You know it is. Her name's KT7461, and she lets us know that the only way that we can get to the interdimensional archives is to rescue all the monks that have been taken hostage by Nefarious's forces. And this leads to the best gadget you can get in this whole fucking game. The Hover Boots. I, Manny Smith, love a gadget. I especially love a gadget that fundamentally changes how you interact with the whole world of a game. I love even more a gadget that gives you freedom of movement. These bad boys do all the above, obviously. I love them, and I don't really think I'd ever want to play this game again from Rip if I don't have them. Uh, I'd really have to play it New Game Plus or not at all, to be honest. There's no reason to play this game fresh. Um, after you've used the hover boots next up we've got to start saving all the monks and the first stop is at the southernmost point of the map at the mountain temple and as you get to your destination you'll get interrupted by old prophet gary to tell you how to save them and that is by disabling the quote elaborate defense systems in place end quote but he says it like Polly shorewood so like the elaborate defense systems in place, you know? The elaborate defense systems are really just an excuse to let you practice the boots, and you ride all the way up this fucking mountain, um, and you have to go through all kinds of obstacles, and this part really pissed me off. There are a handful of bits where the game just doesn't let you do what you are supposed to do and what you want to do, and if you fuck it up, then, well, guess what? You have to go all the way to the beginning. That sucks. That's a really shitty and annoying piece of game design. I think that's so fucked. It's a kid's game at the end of the day. Regardless, you'll go around and save monks from a few other stops around the map, and that's all well and good. You get to do more glitch stuff, too. That's nice, I guess. But the best part about the planet is for sure learning about the history of the Lombaxes. Once you decide that you want to kind of chill out and go off the main quest trail, you'll find this little camp with one of the monks, some comfy chairs, and a nice little river to relax at. You get a trophy, I think, if you hang out by there for long enough, something like that. It's pretty, it's nice, you know. If you speak to the monk, you'll find that he doesn't have a name, but he is a senior archivist, which is a nice title that I would love to have on a business card. The monk asks us to gather a lorb, L-O-R-B as in bitch, in exchange for some armor. Wasteland armor, to be precise, and it is some cool shit, I tell ya. I really love the amount of customization you can do for both the Lombaxes we get to play with. The Lorbs are just little things, little circles, little spheres that you collect that have recordings of Lombax scientists recording voice memos. 
I'll go through and read each entry in order, word for word, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. This isn't from memory, whatever. I still want you guys to understand what's happening. It's literally because I care, so stop bullying me. Please don't be mean. But send me an email if you want to be mean, because that would be fun. One, asking the impossible. So I had a weird meeting this morning. Caden came in. I know, that's funny, isn't it, Caden? Apparently the council liked my mapping work on Savali enough that they want me to expand it by mapping every dimension in existence. Yeah, that might be impossible. Love the millennial, yeah, right? Two, who needs sleep? Okay, I thought about it over lunch. I don't think it's that impossible. I'll just need the Dimensionator, which Caden loaned me a year and three weeks, which has already been approved. And uh, to never sleep again, work starts tomorrow. Three, the first dimension. Map my first dimension today. Pretty standard stuff, except the colors there were so vivid, like, whoa. And there were these creatures. One of them even looked like a Lombax, but he had smaller ears, a mask, and a cane, and I think he was pulling some kind of heist. Whatever it was, it looked cool. That's a Sly Cooper reference. How fun is that, by the way? Four. So many stories. Second dimension down. Not as colorful as the first one. But the creatures were definitely stranger. Their bodies were made out of all these old relics, but they could break apart and still be alive. It was so wild, and now I wished I had ask Caden for more time. I just want to learn the stories of all these dimensions. I think that that one was like uh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn or something. Five, time management. Third dimension was cubes. Really, really smart cubes. I don't know what else to say there, except that I might have to stop doing these for every dimension I visit, because... <coughs> There's a little less than, oh, I don't know, an infinite amount left, and I could have mapped 32 in the time since I started talking. Okay, bye. <clears throat> Six. Good news, bad news. Good news? Mapping's going well. Bad news? Apparently not well enough, because Caden just asked me to go faster. Wouldn't say why, but he sounded stressed, so I let it go. Faster. Okay. Like it's that easy. Well, good thing I stopped doing those recordings. Wait, I'm doing one now. Oh, seven. Live commentary. I know I was going to stop doing these recordings, but I can carve out some time every once in a while because I'm a genius. Dimension 31X7. Not super different from home, but there were these creatures. One was firing a gun and spinning himself around every other second while the other hung out on his shoulder doing live commentary. I wanted to hang out with him so badly. That's Jack and Daxter. Eight, one size fits all. I finally figured out a way to map even faster. Caden might kill me, but listen. Instead of all the cranking and pulling a trigger to use the Dimensionator, I just converted the whole thing into a helmet that runs on voice commands. I mean, he can't argue with results. And if he does, I'll just complain about it here. Nine, a pleasant feeling. Dimension 242Y8. Quite possibly the cutest dimension I've ever seen. The inhabitants were all made out of wool. I think they could literally make anything, and there's a really pleasant voice following me around everywhere. It was incredible, and what's even better, I think I'm finally close to mapping my last dimension. That's, uh, 
that one game. What's it called? Little Big Planet. That's what it is. Ten. Whoa. So tomorrow I'm going to sleep in for an hour because I'm done, baby. I mapped every single dimension in existence. Wow. Oh, I can't wait to see Caden's face when I give him the map. And tell him that I'll be going back to all those dimensions soon. There's still so much I can learn. 11. The reason. Uh, I found out why Caden has been so stressed lately. Something bad's going on. Bad enough that we need to hide as many lombaxes as we can. And I guess all my mapping work was to help find the perfect dimension for us to hide in. So, yeah. Hope I didn't screw anything up. The fucking millennial. So, yeah, I hate that shit. 12. This is not farewell. This is my final recording. If you're listening to this, that means you didn't make it to the new dimension with us. And I'm so sorry. We're trying hard to get everyone now, but our race is scattered across so many dimensions. It's... This is not farewell. I left a copy of my dimensional map in the archives, and I marked down where we're all going. I wish I could have left you a dimensionator too, but... <laughs> I'm only one Lombax. I hope you find your way back to us, and if you do, please look me up. My name's Mags, and I'd love to hear your story. So, this is where the series shines. You know, it's a return to older ages of games, where you had to look for the lore. It wasn't just given to you, you know. The lore aren't hard to find. It took me like, I don't know, 30 minutes, if I remember. By the way, I probably don't remember correctly if I had to guess. So, you know, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 40. But either way, it's not that long and it's fun, you know. You still get to kill guys, bad guys, the whole time. So it's it's worth it. You know, we get to explore Savali, the great planet. We get to really master the new rocket boots we get. You know, you can click the triggers back and forth and go faster to where you get to full speed. You get to shoot more things. Collect more bolts, golden and otherwise, and just play the game without feeling like the devs created this to lengthen playtime. Cough, cough. Bungie with Destiny 2. Fuckers. I love that game, but god damn it, they are coasting on Goodwill, and they've nearly ran out with how greedy those fucks are over there. Reskin more guns instead of creating new ones. Reuse assets you took out yourselves instead of creating new ones. Reuse characters instead of creating new ones. I'm happy. Spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler. Three, two, one. I'm happy that Cade 6 is back, come final shape, but Jesus fucking Christ, they really just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot or feet, whatever the correct tense of that is. They ask for all this fucking money from all their players every year, every quarter, basically, and then they push the same shit out of Eververse. Like, we should be happy to spend this in the middle amount of real money on their fake silver to buy their half-baked ideas for exotic ornaments or just regular armor ornaments. I know no one from Bungie that has any poll will ever listen to this, but fuck the people that are in charge of Bungie. You're all smashing any hope that your player base has slash had in you to make a game that makes us feel like you give a single slimy shit about us. Fuck this new marathon game as far as I'm concerned. Go fuck yourself. You took all the people off of this great game that's destiny 2 all the people that really mattered for crucible for weapon balancing all this shit and you put them on a marathon to make that game great which you know what 
I hope it is for the people that will enjoy that kind of thing. But just go fuck yourself. Hire more people. Jesus Christ. It just makes me so mad. Back to Ratchet and Clank. I love how you don't have to go out and find the Lord, but you don't have to, but you're asked to. And all you're told initially is that you're going to get some new armor. I respect that a lot. And I think for the more mainstream games that this is going away in exchange for microtransactions or even a worse method of game making that is microtransaction adjacent. In addition to the lore being beyond welcome, the voice acting is, once again, fantastic. It, it feels like a real scientist performing a real task as fantastical as it is and actually reading these notes to us and we're listening to them in that moment as Ratchet. The game's so far out there, sometimes you really forget how immersed you get as a fucking Lombax with a logic-ridden robot strapped to his fucking back making Revenge of the Nerd-type quips while you shoot an upright alligator with a surfer bro affectation with a gun that turns him into a further pixelated version of themselves. I think there are a lot of games that do that to you, of course, and it's healthy to separate yourself for a moment here and there to really appreciate that. Regarding Savali, you don't have to get the Lorbs. I've harped on that a handful of times so far, but I really highly recommend you do get all the Lorbs. If you do, or you do not, the next step's to save the rest of the monks. You got a couple more places to go, give or take. It doesn't matter that much for our sake, since it's just a different battle arena. You have to kill wave after wave of baddies in. It's all the same shit. After saving all the monks and activating some consoles, you'll make your way back to Monk Town. Quick aside, I love Monk. That's one of the best TV shows ever made. If you haven't watched it, then I beg you to sometime watch it because it's amazing. In Monk Town, you'll talk to our favorite hippie, Gary. It, by the way, anytime I hear Gary, I don't know if anybody's played Fallout. I think it's three. It might be New Vegas, but it's one of those two. There's a vault where it was uh, made to clone people and see how you know see how long they can live. And there was this one vault uh, that did the cloning. <laughs> it I can't remember exactly how it shook out, but it got to the point where it was just one guy getting cloned over and over again. His name was Gary, and every. <laughs> Every NPC, they're all bad, by the way. They're all fucking loopy. Was named Gary in the whole vault. There was like 20 plus. And they just go, Gary. 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 It's so fun. It's so good. I love that game. Both of them, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Um, Back to Hippie Gary. He'll ask us to use this rift in order to get to this walking monstrosity that houses the archives so that we can get the blueprints for the Dimensionator. And I'll take a second before we go up there to talk about our little robot buddy we met when we got to the planet KT7461. She's that little one that was left behind an accident or something by the monks. She's Gary's assistant. She's really cute and she's got a pretty sad backstory that gets dug into a lot a little bit later. Not as much as I think I would have liked, but the length of the game was my one con, wasn't it? So she was a destroyer level bot of some sort, kind of like Clank was supposed to be. And one night 
She was on patrol, saw some thief in the night pilfering some goods or sneaking around or something, and KT shot the person. She shot the person's fucking arm off. She saw red and was really not in the wrong. I mean, she's a robot for fuck's sake. She's just doing what she was programmed to do, which is pretty sad. And like the rest of the game, I feel personally like they're making a not so subtle commentary on policing in the United States, I assume. And if you're like me and really enjoy digging in to games, some commentary on the quote unquote programming and indoctrination of the youth in the more conservative areas of our country and really the world at large to feel that bigoted beliefs of our elders, our beliefs we're meant to have with the shooting to kill of some random person that was just sneaking around, you know, the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime most of the time. And at least the United States, I'm, I know that that happens elsewhere in the world, but I'm not educated enough to talk about it. I know that's a little bit of a reach, but it's what I felt immediately after I watched the cutscene. Um, beautiful cutscene yet again. After KT shot that person's fucking arm off, she felt that um, she felt that was wrong and not who she wanted to be. So she fled and found Savali and the monks therein. She's since lived a life of meditation and pacifism. Unfortunately for her, Ratchet here is uh, gonna start whooping some ass. Okay. Long story short. We've had KT strapped our back this whole time, and she's been breaking into consoles alongside Glitch to help us get to the interdimensional archives to get the blueprints for the fucking Dimensionator. She's now up on the top floor of the archives with us after we've gone through that rift. Shit is about to go down. You have more waves of bad guys coming at you, and it all ends with three bosses at once. Once you kill them all and get into the archives, a ship or something comes to get you. And KT transforms to a big scary form and protects Ratchet and herself. And the archives, I guess, too. The poor thing gets so embarrassed and scared for herself and Ratchet, respectively. But good old Ratchet Poot calms her down and assures her that while she is powerful, she's not dangerous because she's good in her heart, etc. KT wants to stay on Savali so that she doesn't take a chance at hurting someone, but... Ratchet convinces her to come with him to help save the galaxies at large. She agrees. Duh. It's a video game. Now, we get to go back to our ship, and we're off to the next area. Blizzard motherfucking prime. And we also are going to cut this part off here. And I'll see you in part three, where we're going to make our way to another, I don't know, three, four, five, six planets, depending on how long I end up rambling. I love you guys so much. Thank you for making it to the end of another part. Um, this is a really long episode, and I am pretty happy about it. So, um, Caden, I know you'll listen to the very end, and uh, I know for sure you'll be my, my one listener at least. So I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you.